All right, we're picking up back in Colossians. You know, we kind of dart out of Colossians every now and then as the Lord leaves me for a couple of weeks. And so we're going to go back into and pick up beginning in Colossians chapter 3 with verse 1. We're actually going to get verse 1 through 10 today. And what we're going to talk about is focus. Have you ever been riding down the road and seen somebody with their phone out and you were, you were coming up beside them and they were texting or something like that? This is a feedback moment, y'all. I promise. Yes. And every time, yeah. And so what what do you sometimes see them doing? What what happens to the to the vehicle itself? They're bobbing and weaving around, right? You know, because they're not focused. So what can happen to you if you're up beside them and they're not focused? You can get hit. You could be doing everything you're supposed to be doing and going along and doing your thing and then someone else is not paying attention and what happens? All of a sudden they're bumping off the guardrail, bumping off of you, causing accidents, all that kind of stuff because it's not only are we individually focused but are we helping each other to stay focused. Because if we don't stay focused on the right things then we also have impact on people that are around us. Not just on ourselves. So let's pick up Colossians 3, begin with verse 1. So if you have been raised with the Messiah, seek what is above, where the Messiah is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on what is above, not on what is on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with the Messiah in God. When the Messiah, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with Him in glory. Therefore... Put to death what belongs to your worldly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, God's wrath comes on the disobedient. And you once walked in these things when you were living in them. But now you must also put away all the following, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and filthy language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old self with its practices And have put on the new self. You are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your creator. Let's pray over the word. Father, thank you for your word. God, I know that it is powerful in and of itself. Your Holy Spirit causes it to birth life and awareness and knowledge and growth in us. Father, it's not about what I say or how well I say it, but I do ask that, Father, you would help me to stay out of the way. And let your word go forth, God, and that it would have the impact into our lives. Holy Spirit, bring life. Make it a living word in us. God, affect us, even in the things that we've not shared with anyone else. Your Holy Spirit sees within. You look at the heart while we look on the outside. And God, you can take and cause something to happen that none of us could ever foresee and find a way to do. But you can do it because you are God. And so, Father, we just open our hearts and open our minds to you to move in us and to change us. We just pray and believe these things in the name of your Son and our strong Savior, Jesus Christ. And the church together said, Amen. Amen. Have you ever headed to the grocery store? (laughs) Manny immediately says, oh my goodness. Have you ever headed to the grocery store and forgot your grocery list? Or if you're a guy, now this should be easier for us now that we have phones, okay? Okay. But back before we had the cell phones, you know, your wife says, hey, 
you know, would you run to the store and get this, 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 and this? And that's about four too many things for a guy to remember, right? You know, you're struggling. She says, go to the store and get milk. And you come back with two two-liter Cokes and some potato chips and some steaks and something else. And it's going, you got all this stuff. Where's the milk? Oh, oh, I forgot, right? But if you, even ladies, have you ever gone to the grocery store and you forgot your gross, grocery list? And so you're struggling to remember everything you were supposed to get. Particularly if it was a longer list. And you had been making this list out. You get there and you're going, I know there's something that I'm forgetting. And usually it's about the time you get home. Or you do get home and you're starting to put everything up. And you go, ah, that's right. I was supposed to get flavoring. I was supposed to get this or that or the other. What about this? Have you ever gone grocery shopping when you're hungry? (laughs) Bad idea. You know, you know there's some core things that you need. And so you go in with this idea. And, and I mean, why do you think it is that they have all these people sitting there with, with uh, uh, these sampler things and all this stuff, you know, so that when you come in, that they can take and, and get a little sample thing and give you a little sample on a toothpick. And you did not go in there to buy smoked sausage. Right, because it's usually like smoked sausage, cheese, some kind of biscuit thing, something like that. You didn't go in there to buy those things. But you go in and you smell it. Right? I've noticed like Publix, they don't, you know, unlike the, the older Winn-Dixie's and stuff, Winn-Dixie's got, in, in a lot of the older ones, the, the bakery and stuff's in the back. See, now that's too far away. Right? Because you need to walk in the door and be like at Publix and you smell it immediately. And now you're hungry. And now you're smelling fried chicken and whatever else, and you were not planning on getting fried chicken. You were not planning. But one of two things tends to happen. Either you'll go over there and buy some fried chicken, or you go, huh, I should do fried chicken tonight. And then here's the little person there going, would you like to try a sample of this? Would you like to try? And you know, your kids are all going, yeah, 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 yeah. And you're going, don't be touching that. You don't need nothing. You just ate, it. You just ate something on the way here. No, 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 mom, you know, so, so they're trying to go, ooh, that's good, ooh, that's good, you know. Oh, man, we have that on sale today. See, see, got you hooked, see, because you go, get the, get the, get, get the, the smell of it, and that's going on. You go, ooh, I didn't know I was hungry. And then, they, would you like to try a piece? Well, okay. And so you try a piece of that smoked sausage, and you go, and it's on sale. 20% off today only if you have a card. Would you like to get a card? Because the card's free. It'll just help you save. Could we email to you? Because we'll send you some special because you are a valued customer. Right? Some of y'all laughing, and I know it's just because y'all are in retail. I mean, hey, it's all about... So you can get distracted from what it is that you went in there to do, and you can end up walking out of that store. One of two things happen. I can't tell you how many times I can be in a grocery store or... I don't go to Walmart or Target very often, anything like that, but a lot of times I'll be in some store and you will hear people coming either away from the cash register or at the cash register saying, I just went in to get about $30 worth of stuff and I just spent $125. Yeah? You ever, have you ever heard that? Have you ever said that? Well, why you have to be getting so personal, Pastor? <laughs> Look, it's easy to get distracted and a lot of times then you'll just purchase stuff on impulse 
because everything starts, starts making you feel like you need that and, and I got to have it and I'm hungry and you didn't plan on cooking that. That wasn't what you were planning on doing or else you had thought about, I'm going to go in and I'm going to shop at, you know, for something, but I'm really not shopping. I'm just looking. That's why I tell people, they say, are you a good shopper? I say, no, I'm a good buyer. I don't win to shop. There's no sense in going to look at stuff I can't buy today. I'm sorry. Because if you know your own tendencies, then you'll tend to go window shopping and you'll come home having window bought. Right? I thought you were just going to look. Yeah. But I bought it. It was on sale. Yeah, but we said we weren't going to spend that money till like next month. Yeah, but we saved 10%. On that new credit card that I got from them. <laughs> well, see, our spiritual lives are like that sometimes, though. We, we get to, to, to go in our lives, we forget the things that we should remember, usually because there's some external influence. There's something that comes along that distracts us. It, it's, it gets our attention. Some of our senses drawn away. And so in the moment... We forget to do and be what God has really called us to do and what God has called us to be. And that's kind of what Paul is, is talking about here. If we backed up and we looked at the end of Colossians chapter 2, because we always got to keep in mind, I remind us all along that you know we later on took these letters that were written to churches and divided them up into uh, chapters and verses and things like that. This is just a long letter that was written. And... So we separate and we start with chapter 3 and we kind of forget what was the context coming up to it. What had Paul just said? And so we'll read this statement and it kind of means one thing, but when we back up and we see what he, what he was talking about at the end of chapter 2, because this was just a continued thought for him. At the end of chapter 2, he was addressing that there were several external methods of achieving, if you will, a holiness and a godliness on our own. And he talked about a couple of things. He talked about um, not letting people judge you in food and drink. He talked about um, aesthetic practices. In other words, things that you did on the outside that let people see and, and make you think that, that you were becoming holy. He talked about folks that got hung up about visionary realms. They, they had this visionary realm that they could go to and get inspired and get information and all that stuff. And he actually said they think they're spiritual, but they're really not. He went on to talk about, at the very end of chapter 2, about the, the regulations that people would do that resulted even in severe bodily treatment. They would try to deny themselves certain things. And he says, those things have an appearance of wisdom, but yet they're useless. They're useless in curbing self-indulgence. We talked about that then, but I just want to remind us of that because... We, we so often will tell ourselves, I just need to cut this out. I just need to stop this. I just need to do that. So we go into this big thing. I was having a conversation uh, last night with my night uh, shift guys. Or I'm sorry, Friday night with my night shift guys. And uh, one of the crews, we were sitting there talking about weight loss. And I was telling them about having you know, lost 60-some-odd pounds since last August. And, and they were like, man, how are you doing it? And... I told him, I said, hey, I, I have to be a teetotaler. I'm one of those folks, I haven't had, you know, cake or pie or anything like that since last June. And I haven't had anything but water to drink, you know, since then. And, and 
They're like, man, I can't just stop like that. And I said, well, here's, here's my problem is it's easier for me to tell somebody and it's more meaningful for me to tell somebody, hey, I've not done this for a year than it is to go, hey, I haven't done this in two days. Because then two days is easy to make up. Oh, I could go ahead and eat some cheesecake right now because it'd be good, you know. I think about it sometimes. I just want y'all to know. <laughs> Other people, now some of y'all, y'all may struggle with some stuff you see on TV or whatever else. And guys, you know what I'm talking about. But, but look, they throw a piece of cheesecake on TV and I'm like, uh-huh. I just, I even get that look. I'm just looking at that cheesecake like, hey girl. You're a good looking cheesecake. Strawberry dripping off of you. Mmm. Good looking cheesecake. <laughs> Sometimes truth is painful, isn't it? It's just I know, I know. It's it's all think about some steak and fried chicken and, and, and then finishes off with some cheesecake. We get hooked on and we've told ourselves when it comes to discipline, oh, that's, that's the answer, even in our spiritual lives, is that I just need to find ways to, to uh, just stop some things. And, and, and Paul says that's what you've been trying to do. You've been focused on that being the answer. Now, if, if you read enough of the Word, then you'll go, but, but I don't understand, Pastor, because the Bible also says, you know, Christ says, if you want to be my disciple, then you need to deny yourself and take up your cross daily and follow me. So how does that work? If, if you're saying that Paul says at the end of Colossians 2 that doing these things of self-denial is, is not of benefit in curbing self-indulgence, but yet Christ says you need to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. There are many actions that are okay if they come from the right place. All right, there's, it's what's the motive and, and in what strength do you believe you're doing it? Okay, because absolutely, if, if you walked out of this door, it would be foolish in a sense for us to say, well, God, if you don't want me to go and just get drunk as a skunk, then, then make the beer disappear. You know, or God, if you don't want me to go out here and, you know, find, smoke a blunt, then but like, you go, oh, well, just take it out of my hand. Well, I mean, that's just absolutely foolish, right? Because you're going to have to deny some things. But what strength are you going to be able to do it in? Because if you're just going to look at someone who's an addict or look at someone who has other issues and say, oh, you just got to find enough per- willpower to just say no, man, that's hard. Can, can we just be honest? That's hard. Christ instead tells us that we can accomplish these things through Him. That it's His empowerment that allows us to deny certain things. Our own personal attempt to curb that self-indulgence usually fails. But in Christ, we can be victorious in all things. One of the reasons that so many people then feel so guilty with things in their lives is because that we don't help people to understand that it's not a flip the switch and all of a sudden God is just helping you stop everything in your life that you shouldn't do or do everything that you should do. It's a process of maturing and growing. His power is there immediately to help us, but we have to work through the process of maturing to where we will submit to His authority for Him to lead and guide us in those things. And so... 
we're not always perfect with that, but we grow and we mature in it. And so over time, we gain mastery over something through the power that God gives us. But then people in churches are made to feel like, well, hey, if you can't just flip the switch and all of a sudden become perfect in all of that, oh, you just must not be good with Christ. And, and, and you're not good enough with God. And man, that's just, not, that's just not the way it is. We've tended to believe that this idea of practical holiness just suddenly shows up. I got saved, so boom! Practical holiness. Now, we're not talking about God seeing you as holy because that, that Christ's righteousness has been applied to you. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about fleshed out how we live our lives, how we do things, what we, what we do and don't do according to honoring God and, and, and being a great witness for Him. Many things that, that God may individually convict us of that you can, aren't going to find in God's Word that something's wrong, but for some reason God convicts you that you don't need to go down this path. All of those things come over time of God working in our individual lives. But a lot of people just believe that, boom, that just shows up. Rather than realizing that coming to Christ is just the beginning of our daily battle with temptation. And temptation is going to come our way. Can, can we just go ahead and be honest and say that temptation is going to come at you? Can I, can I get an amen? That's going to happen? All right, because if, if we're not willing to admit that, we're going to struggle as a church, okay? Because we're going to be looking at each other going, oh, dear God, how could he dare? have? Well, like nothing's come at you this week. Now, maybe, maybe nobody approached you and tried to get you to go run around on your husband or your wife this week. Maybe that didn't happen. Great. Fantastic. But I guarantee you, you felt the temptation to say a little sarcastic word to somebody. I guarantee you, you felt the temptation at some point to be a little snappy at your spouse or at your kids. Or there's something that's come along you know you shouldn't do, or you know. And but it it whoop in the moment you were tempted, and you might have done it. If you did, your spouse right now is going, uh huh. That's right. Get him, preacher. Speak the word to him. And then there's people that get haughty about everybody else who do stuff wrong. And now they're going, oh, now he went there. So see, when you're sitting there going, get him, pre well, wait a minute now, preacher. I was just speaking the truth. <laughs> but here's the thing. When temptation comes at us, the difference when we come to Christ is that we have, the, we have weapons at our disposal that allow us to defeat those temptations that come against us. I want to give you two scriptures. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5, this is what it says. For though we live in the body, we do not wage war in an unspiritual way. We're going to talk about that thought here in just a moment. But Since the weapons of our warfare are not worldly, but are powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds. We demolish arguments and every high-minded thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God, taking every thought captive to obey Christ. Let's pick up that verse 3 again. For though we live in the body, we do not wage war in an unspiritual way. Lie! Lie from the devil in most people's lives. People are like, what's it? Wait a minute, did he just call the Bible a liar? No, I'm just saying that application in most of our lives is that is not the truth because we are waging often physical war with each other. 
It's happening in homes. It happens in marriages. It happens in workplaces. It happens with your kids. It happens even in your own mind. We are, we are doing things and we are waging st- war in an unspiritual way. It, it happens. That's what we're trying to move away from. It happens because we, instead of recognizing that the enemy is trying to sow discord in our families, instead of recognizing that the enemy is trying to create a wedge of division between moms and dads, that the, the enemy tries to take kids and get one parent to side over here and side against the children, we just look and think it's each other. And so we try to wage an unspiritual war when the battle is happening at a spiritual level, we look at the other person. The Bible talks about it, says, you know, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but yet we do. We, that's what we end up trying to do unless we allow God to let us focus in the right way in these situations and see the truth of what's going on. That it is an enemy who is attacking into our lives. You know what happens? Here's a different mentality. If all of a sudden, even though as hard as this can be, if we start looking at things that are happening in our families, in our, in our friendships, all that stuff, and we say, God, instead of becoming angry and praying about that person, God, I'm going to become angry at the enemy who is creating this division, and I'm going to pray for that person. See, we often pray about people. God, you need to do something about that person. I was watching, we were, you know, Caleb, Caleb got him a J-O-B. Can I get an amen? Oh, oh, happy day, happy day. My job guy, my son got a job yesterday. All right, so he was, so we went up there, you know, to get some food from him. He was working, and so, so some of these, I was giving him a hard time. Yes. I was ordering, what kind of bread is that going to come with? I would like that bread toasted. He said, I knew Dad was going to be, but I wasn't too hard. I just want y'all to know. So, but some other folks came over. They saw us, and they came over talking to us, and, and some teenagers. And, and one of them, man, when she was talking to a young man that was there, she started doing the finger. And she was, you know, she was, oh, you don't, oh, oh you, mm. She was doing the, the, the little, it was, some of y'all are old enough to remember this, and you was ungodly enough to watch it too. Um, it, was, it was a snap and a twist, you know? And, and she was going, oh, no, no, you did not. Uh-uh, no, you, you need to stop. I thought to myself, uh-huh. See, sometimes that's how we start responding to things that need to be at a spiritual level. We start looking at each other going, oh, no, you didn't. You did not just talk to me like that right there. I know you better back up. You better re- you better check yourself before you wreck yourself. You better, uh-huh. I know. Y'all know some of y'all said it to your kids, Ruthie. I mean, some of y'all said it to your kids, right? No, I know you did not just saw it like that. You better, she started saying all that stuff. Y'all know, I know you did not. Look, y'all know. See, you just get right up in that flesh thing. And Paul is saying, hey, you got to focus on the right things. Because this war that we're in is not to be fought in an unspiritual way. And the church is the one place where that families should be able to find themselves engaging in a war 
but yet not in an unspiritual way with each other. It's the one place where even within the walls of the church that we should be able to engage in seeing that the enemy is creating division but not be against each other in the process. Because the weapons of our warfare are not worldly, but they are powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds. 1 Corinthians 10 and 13 says this, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to humanity. God is faithful, and He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation, He will also provide a way of escape so that you are able to bear it. Now, there are, there are folks who go, wait, 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 wait. Now, I've just heard you recently talk about that when people say, oh, God won't put more on you than what you could bear, you've said, that's not right. That's not accurate. Yes. That's 100% true. You go, wait a minute, but you just read something that said God won't allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. That is 100% true. But what is the rest of that scripture that he said? He said, because in every temptation, God will provide a way of escape so that you are able to bear it. In other words, in ourselves, without God providing the way of escape, more could come on us than what we would be able to bear. But because God provides the way of escape, we are able to bear everything that comes against us. So it's still not in us. It's what God does. He provides the escape hatch. No matter what it is that's coming against us. And so you see people going through things in life that are not followers of Christ or even people who will not receive what God is giving in a way of escape and they struggle through things and it overwhelms and it, and it just presses them down. And yet then you see other people go through something and they rely on Christ. And even though it's difficult and it's hard and it's, and it's even crushing, but yet God sustains them. What His Word says here is, quite simply, God will not put more on you than what you are able from a temptation standpoint to bear. But the reason that you can bear it is because He provides the way of escape. It's not because you're so strong. To me, that's a relief. Because if we're honest with ourselves, we will look at things in our life and recognize when we know we're not strong. We try to put on a brave face. We want other people to see that and, and because we think nobody wants to hear about our, our issue. Nobody wants to hear about what's going on. And oftentimes it's true. Sometimes we don't act like the body of Christ toward each other and bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Sometimes we don't do that stuff. We're supposed to. It's what God has called us to do. It's, it's how He has made us to be a body together. But sometimes we struggle with that. And so when, when we see that, then we, we refrain from sharing and from communicating those things. And so we're over here just being crushed. He says, but He won't allow that temptation to come that's beyond what you're able because I'm going to provide a way of escape. And therefore, you can make it through because think about this mindset. What if, what if you were going through a crushing moment in your life and you had no hope? None. Nada. Zip. Zilch. No hope that God was going to provide a way of escape. 
I'll just be honest with you, that would overwhelm me. That would overwhelm me. If I saw there is no hope that God is going to do anything good with this, that would overwhelm me. But when I can look at something and even in the most difficult moment of it go, I believe in who God is. And His Word that He has inspired says that He will provide a way of escape. I may not see it yet. I may not be far enough down the tunnel to see the escape hatch, but He has said there will be one. I may have to go way into this, but He has said there's going to be a way. Because I will not allow this temptation to be more than what you're able to bear because I will make a way of escape for you. We're looking at all of this today in order to understand something. We're trying to understand what does it mean when Paul gives this directive where he says that we're to set our minds on things above and not on things of earth. And when we look back at, at this this passage where he says, so if you have been raised with the Messiah. Now, he starts off with so. He's tying it to a previous thought. And that previous thought was what we ended up with. Man, I'm going to get one more technological device out of here so I can pull up a separate thing. If you've, if you've got your phone or your tablet or whatever, pull up Colossians 2. We're going to, just for a moment, I want you to see. We're just going to see it up close and in person. Where he says, you died with the Messiah to the elemental forces of this world, why do you live as if you still belong to the world? Why do you submit to regulations? Don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. All these regulations refer to what's destroyed by being used up. They're commands and doctrines of men. Although these have a reputation of wisdom by promoting aesthetic practices, humility, and severe treatment of the body, they are not of any value in curbing self-indulgence. So, chapter 3. If you have been raised with the Messiah, he says, so if you're a believer... If you're a believer, then seek what is above. Why? Because you've been focused on everything down here. You've been focused on trying to do works. You've been focused on trying to you know, all this self-control stuff in your own power. He says, but if you've been raised with the Messiah, if you're a believer, seek what is above. And what's above? It's where the Messiah is. Where He's seated at the right hand of God. So set your minds on what is above, not what is on the earth. You know what's happened is we've gotten people focused on themselves instead of focused on God. We've gotten people focused on what they're able to do versus what Christ can do in you. That's what Paul's trying to bring, bring people back to. He's trying to say, look, whether it's temptations, whether it's trials, whether it's, whether it's uh, something that God has directed us to do that's a positive thing, you've been trying to do those things in yourself, and so your eyes are focused here. We've gotten so focused on, on all of these things, and sometimes we've even gotten focused on activities and programs and all this stuff, and we've lost sight of Christ. We've lost sight of God. And he says, look, set your mind on what is above, not what is on the earth. Why? Because you've died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. So if you've died, and it's Christ that's living, you need to focus on Christ and where He is. And, and he's not down here trying to figure out how you're going to be able to do this or do that. He's already given you the power to do these things. He just wants to operate that in your lives. And if we get focused on something other than the source, things get blurry and, and all of a sudden life is so intensely difficult. 
The answers to us living a victorious life are found in God. They're simply found in God. Armed with this knowledge of who we really are in Christ. You have died. Your life is hidden with the Messiah and God. And when the Messiah who is your life is revealed, then you also will be revealed with Him in glory. Therefore, put to death what belongs to your worldly nature. See, because that's your old nature. Because you died with Christ. So he says, why are you letting those things pop up and convince you they have to be existing in your life? Why are you letting these things pop up? Uh, These ideas of of sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. He says, why do those things, why are you letting them have control in your life? Because those are your old nature and you died with Christ. You're not that person anymore. So that's why you got to get your mind off of these things down here and get your mind on Christ. Set your mind on things that are above, not on the things that are down here. Because we've got us. Lance was actually sharing last Sunday night. He, um, he made a statement. He said, I just think we're not seeing ourselves the way God sees us. That God sees us in Christ. God sees that we have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, it's not I that lives, but it's Christ that lives in me. And so we're convinced that we're these terrible people and that we're these, and and God is going, but I look at you and I see the righteousness of my son Jesus Christ that's been applied to your life. And then Satan comes and says, oh, but you used to be this and you used to do like this and you know you make mistakes and you know you do all these things. It's kind of been his tactic forever, right? Because, you know, when you've got the woman who's weeping and, and washing Jesus' feet with her tears, what do the people around them say? Oh, if you knew what kind of woman she is, you wouldn't be letting her touch you. And he said, I know. I know what kind of person she is. So he saw her from God's perspective. They kept wanting to see her from what she'd always been. God kept seeing her for what he had already made her. She, had, she was repentant. She was thankful. She was pouring out her heart, and God was seeing that. See, when we get our eyes set on things that are on the earth instead of our eyes set on things that are above, we just see things differently. We see things wrongly. We get a myopic focus. When we see who we really are in Christ, and we see that He said... He's already given us weapons that are powerful to to the demolition of strongholds and for demolishing arguments and taking down every high-minded thing that raises itself against the knowledge of God. Then we start to realize, I can live a victorious life. Through Christ. On my own, I may show that, but through Christ, these things can be accomplished. This stuff used to characterize us. I mean... We see what he says. He says, not only should you put away all of those things, the sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, and all that, he says, but you also need to put away these other things, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and filthy language from your mouth. Don't lie to one another. Why? Since you have put off the old self with its practices. Focus. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things... And the things that are above are where Christ is. And your life has been hidden with Christ. You know, at the end of the day, we don't need to point people to unity point. We don't need to point people toward 
any particular thing. There may be things that can help and there may be things that, you know, it's a great fellowship and all that stuff. But ultimately, if we're pointing people to us and not to Christ, we are doing the greatest disservice to our community that could ever happen. We need to point people to the source of strength and help that can get them through life's challenges. And that is not unity point. We can come alongside you, and, and, and I pray to God that we always do and that we always have it in our heart to be the shoulder and to do what God's Word says in bearing one another's burdens and fulfilling the law of Christ. All of those things. That is great. But man, any social group out here can, in a sense, can do some form of coming alongside you or whatever. But if we will point people to Christ, the one who can deliver, the one who can heal, the one who can restore, the one who can make a way where there seems to be no way. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Focus. To close, I want to illustrate this. You guys, uh, most, most of you guys know I like photography and, you know, I've, I got some semi-decent equipment stuff to do, um, you know, photography sessions and things like that. One of the things that I, I found to be amazing when I, when I started, you know, wanting to take pictures and, and, you know, particularly on some long lens stuff and everything, was this idea of focus. You know, I, I, I thought it was in, intriguing. Uh, consider this. You're, we could walk up to a chain link fence right now, and if I had my, my camera gear here, we could walk up to a chain link fence, and we can take one of two kinds of pictures. We could take a picture that we focused on the chain link fence, and what would happen is you would see the chain link fence in stark relief. Everything behind it would be blurred, and that's called bokeh. B-O-K-E-H. It's called bokeh. It's a blurring of the background. So you wouldn't really be able possibly even to make out what's in the background, but you would really see this chain link fence, this barrier. But I could take that same lens, that same camera stand in the same place, and I could focus it on a point that is far out behind that fence, and I can make the fence disappear. And you can see in stark relief what is out in the distance, and you would not even realize that there was a chain link fence there in between me and that picture. It's all about where your focus is. What stands out, what draws our attention, is where we're focused. Are we focused on the things that are up close and personal, which is hard not to focus on those things, are we focused on that stuff that's earthly? And if we are, then what happens is that thing looks like this big, massive barrier that we can't get past. And we can't even see any kind of detail about what's out past that barrier. All we see is what's in between us and something out there. But if we get our eyes off of what seems to be the barrier... And we get our eyes focused on, because out there is Christ leading the way. And we get our eyes focused on Him. All of a sudden, it, there was a song about this. We used to sing it a lot when I was a kid. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Remember, and, and there's one phrase in that song that says, And the things of earth will grow strangely dim 
That's exactly what they were talking about. It literally is exactly what they were talking about was when you got focused on what was out beyond, the thing of earth got strangely dim and disappeared. Was it there? Sure it's there. But our focus now allows us to not be centered in on this thing. That God has already said, hey, I don't care that there is a spiritual chain link fence. I've put a gate in it. Because I have made sure that there is a way of escape. So if I trust and I believe that He's going to provide the way of escape, I can stand and I can look at the fence and go, I don't need to focus on you. Because in the end, you're not important. You're here and you're blocking my way at the moment and I may have to walk along this fence line looking for when God's going to put the gate in, but I believe in the one who has told me I will provide a way. And so while I see the fence and you're there, I'm going to keep focused on what's out there, what it is that He's calling me to, and I'm just going to keep walking because eventually, all of a sudden, I'm going to find that break in the fence. I'm going to find the gate that's there and I'm going to be able to walk through this and the fence no longer mattered. The fence didn't matter the whole time. It's there, it's a barrier, it's real. But my focus is on God being out from that. Set your eyes not on things that are on this earth, but on things that are above, because that is where Christ is. The one in whom your life is hidden and who lives inside of you and who wants to provide the way. So today, where are you focused? Is your life focused on trying to perform? Is your life focused on trying to garner God's favor? Are you convinced it's up to you to find a way to fight past temptation? Or is your life focused on the fact that you are a child of God? Already risen with Jesus Christ. Already equipped with the weapons that demolish strongholds. Already able to overcome them because God has made a way of escape.